0: Hello everyone and welcome into the Smith and Seidel show on our second season, our first podcast episode. I'm Jacob Seidel alongside my good friend, Zach Smith over the discord server. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing good. My friend, uh, this, this is weird to be doing this all virtual
1: now. I mean, I could have just yelled at you in a radio station, but I mean, now we're, we're I'm yelling at you through the internet. So, I mean, this is going to be entertaining.
0: Yeah, this should be entertaining, and hopefully the plan is to get these or to upload all our podcasts on Wednesdays. Uh, They'll be available on Spotify as well as maybe Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a bit easier to work, but we're trying to figure it all out and get it going. It's a work Uh, in progress,
1: that's for sure.
0: It is a work in progress, especially since we had to go to a different recording method since what we did last night. My free trial ended. Uh, so anyway, we we got a great show for you today, folks, and we're going to start it off with probably the biggest news in sports uh, that broke this week between the uh, in the Big Ten, uh, who has reversed course and they are going to play football this fall. Yeah, the Big Ten earlier
1: on in the COVID process decided, you know, we don't want to have fall sports, so the Big Ten joined the Pac-12 as well as the MAC in canceling all four fall sports and moving it towards the spring. Uh, a lot of outrage went against the Big Ten as in terms of players wanting to play. So uh, this week, today's the 17th of September. As we are recording, they announced this, I believe, either on the 15th or the 16th, that the Big Ten will resume its football schedule. Uh, there has been no word on the rest of fall sports, but Big Ten football is coming back with a lot of asterisks. Uh, First and foremost, it's going to come back the weekend of October 24th. So a little over a month from today, they will be coming back with the Big Ten championship being on December 19th, a day before the college football playoff committee is going to decide the four teams
0: going to come in to the college football playoff. The other big thing about that, they're not just doing a Big Ten championship. We're also going to see the two seeds in the East and West place each other in the three seeds. So with that, if a Big Ten team, and I say if, because I don't know if it would happen, makes the uh, college football playoffs, could we see, say, a better team from the East that played in that second tier game make it over the Big Ten champion? I, I don't think that we would see that. And the reason being, and
1: you make a good point of if a Big Ten team makes it in, the Big Ten is going to be coming in right at the end. So they're playing eight games. There's going to be no bye weeks or anything like that. So every game is going to count. So every player is going to be accountable for their own health. And the reason I don't think that's going to happen is because you've already had teams such as Clemson, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame. They've all played at least one game up to this point with more games on the way. Ohio State uh, started in the AP preseason poll at two. Penn State started at seven, including those two teams. Four other teams from the Big Ten appeared in the AP preseason poll. So there's a lot to look forward to as in terms of Big Ten football. But with these teams like Ohio State and Penn State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, they literally have to give everything they have in order to get a spot in the college
0: football playoff this fall. Yeah, I would agree to that. Um, But with only an eight-game schedule that's starting so late, uh, really past the ACC, the SEC, and uh, the Big 12, any team in the Big Ten making a push for the college football playoffs is going to have a lot of roadblocks in front of them. Well, I I still am
1: going to sit here and argue time and time again that the Big Ten is the most competitive division in college football. And the reason I say that is you look at the Big 10 compared to the SEC, the Big 12, the Pac 12, you know, you've got these teams that there's like four or five teams fighting in the top 25 every single year. So I think that you'll see a Big 10 team appear in the college football playoff, but they have to play against the good team. So I, I know Ohio State going into, um, when they were postponed, Wisconsin was on their schedule. Michigan, Michigan State was on their schedule. Ohio State, especially uh, starting off as the number two seed, I think stands the best chance of getting into the college football playoff. But they need to be playing lights out against all these good teams.
0: And that's going to be yeah, tough, especially with all these players opting out. Speaking of that, uh, Michigan, the quarterback for Michigan, his name escapes me at the moment. I'll have to check it. Uh, But he has decided to not only opt out of the season, he's looking for transfers out of Ann Arbor. Yeah, that's interesting to see, especially after Shea Patterson opted
1: into the draft last year. And now you're looking at your next quarterback, who uh, John Harbaugh was really, really looking into. Uh, it is John who coaches Michigan, not Jim. I always get the is brothers it, confused. Is it, I, is it, Jim, I think it's Jim. It might be Jim. Whichever, Coach Harbaugh in Michigan really high on him. The quarterback's last name is McCaffrey. Yeah, it is Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh saw a lot in his new quarterback, and now his quarterback
0: wants out. Does that say a lot about Harbaugh? I I would argue yes. He's been at Michigan while well, this will be his sixth season at Michigan, I believe, seventh somewhere around there. He's been there for a while now. He's had a few promising teams, but there really hasn't been a big name quarterback coming out of there. They've had a lot of real system QBs that have had some success, but since Harbaugh took over the program, it's really been a revolving door at the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that 100%. And I think mainly that's because he's competing with two to three other teams in his own division, in the Big Ten. Um, He has not been able to beat Ohio State since he came to Michigan. He's beaten, I want to say, Penn State once. And I want to say he's beaten Michigan State once. Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State have all given Michigan problems. And I think the root of that problem is Coach Harbaugh. And I think that Michigan needs to be in a, you know, we're we're still a capable team. Look at all these really good defensive players that have come out of Michigan in the past couple of years. Just notably, Devin Bush, Jabril Peppers. I want to say Rashawn Gary came out of Michigan.
0: Like, uh, yeah, and then ta- uh, Taco um, Taco Charlton. He was he was a tight end, wasn't he? No, Taco Charlton's an edge rusher. That's that's right. I'm thinking of Jake Butts. Yeah, there's there's a couple of really
1: good players that have come out of Michigan in the past couple of seasons, and they haven't been able to take advantage of them. So I think it's a boomer bust year for Michigan, but I
0: don't think you see Michigan make the college football playoff. I would agree to that, especially because you take a look at Ohio State. On paper, this might be the best Buckeye team of all time. There, there's a lot of
1: good Buckeye teams. Um, but I again, I, as I mentioned, I think Ohio State is the best chance to get in. So let, let me ask you this. So with the college football season starting two weeks ago, as it stands right now, and a lot of people predicted Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame, or Oklahoma, Georgia in their top four. With the Big Ten coming back and keeping in mind that they're playing eight games back to back to back to back to back. Come December 20th, what four teams get into the college football playoff?
0: Really, just because there's no one else that I think has made a big statement so far. You're looking at Alabama out of the SEC. Um, We're going to see a Big 12 team this year, I think, in probably Oklahoma. They're usually the big ones there, especially since Iowa State, they were ranked. in, they were ranked, I believe, in the top 20. They looked like they might have had a chance to be a kind of the dark horse, but they fell to a group of five school. The ACC is a bit weird. Usually we'd argue Clemson coming out of the ACC, but with Notre Dame eligible for the ACC title game, anything could really happen. That, like, I, I would argue that we're going to see Notre Dame over Clemson. Ooh. If they continue to play well, um, and then it, it all depends: Are we going to see a Big Ten team? Are we gonna see an ACC team? If Big, if Ohio State comes out and beats everyone on their schedule by twenty points, you can't, you can't refuse them entry to the college football playoffs. I think that we will see Ohio State represent the Big Ten, but only if there's a Big Ten team. Otherwise. My top four are going to be Alabama, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Clemson. We're going to see two come out of the ACC. But if the Big Ten plays, Ohio State's going to take that Clemson spot. So I I agree
1: with almost every single one of those. I agree Alabama's going to come out of the SEC. I don't see any other SEC school come out. Um, especially after LSU has already lost a lot of their weapons, not just from this past year's draft, but at the same time, they've had a couple of good players already opt out for this season. Um, and at the same time, Georgia, Georgia's on a rebound year. I think you typically, you can rely on Georgia to provide some solid, um, some solid competition to Alabama. And I still think that Alabama is going to get some solid competition out of players, but. Coach Saban isn't going to be happy th- with the fact that Alabama didn't do well last year and to his standards, and I think you're going to see a driven coach, Nick Saban. Um, so I agree with you there. I don't think that Oklahoma comes out of the Big 12. I like Texas, and I'll tell you why. And it's on the arm of senior quarterback Sam Ellinger. All right. Sam Ellinger, who could have went into the draft last year, decided not to, could have gone in two years ago. In a quarter, in a week quarterback draft class that featured Haskins and Daniel Jones, easily Sam Ellinger could have gone within the top 10 picks, in my opinion. But no, like Justin Herbert, who was just drafted in this past year's NFL draft, Ellinger stayed in school so he can continue his education and continue his development as a passer. And he looks good. He's a true dual threat quarterback who can run and throw the ball. The Big 12 is an offensive-heavy scheme. So if Ellinger can make plays, he can make plays. Now, Baylor, as well as Oklahoma, were kind of the big two last year. And Texas, they tried, but they failed. And I think that you could see Texas in kind of a condensed season in a year where, you know, Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma is trying just to make sure that this quarterback is good. He's a true system QB coach. Um, I think you see Texas come out. I agree with your take in the ACC. I think that Clemson has been able just to roll through the weak ACC. And I mean, weak in a relative term. Um, just nobody kind of meets the caliber that Clemson does. Um, I think with Notre Dame in there, I think Notre Dame's going to pressure them, but I disagree. And I think Clemson's going to be able to come out of it. And then I do agree that Ohio state's going to come out of the big 10. Again, if you have. a full eight game Ohio State season and with teams that they're supposed to play. If Ohio State rolls through teams like Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Purdue, Nebraska, goes through teams like that and beats every single one of them. If I'm the committee, I can't sit there and say, oh, this Ohio State team that I had at number two in the country can be uh, cannot be allowed to play in this college football playoff game. I can't be against it. So my four Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and my dark horse, the Texas Longhorns.
0: Yeah, I, I that's I agree with those picks. as a great re, a real possibility, or uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I I could see this happening. I honestly could see both of our uh, predictions end up coming true. But what well, this is the 17th of September. Big Ten hasn't even played yet. We don't even know if the Pac-12 is going to play. There's been rumors, but nothing really substantial coming out of the West Coast. But right now, I believe that is the best. We picked the best, what, seven teams that could possibly come out. And, And there's some teams that we didn't even talk
1: about, you know. Penn State always looks competitive throughout the year. Michigan is always there right up until the end of the season. So maybe Michigan gets over the hump. We counted Georgia and LSU out. What happens if Coach Ed Orgeron decides, you know what? We're actually going to be really competitive this year. You never know. And that's the fun part about college football compared to like the NFL. The college football season is determined by people. The NFL season is determined by what your record is at the end of the year. So every game matters. So I think that we picked a a solid little group of like seven or eight teams, but there's so many teams that you can just not sleep on.
0: Yeah, and I'd say let's jump the gun and do a uh, way too early college football championship, but we can't really do that until we see the Big Ten teams play as well.
1: Yeah, I I would have to kind of have you pump the brakes, but if I had to do it right now, I think that you could potentially see a
0: rematch Clemson-Ohio State in the college football playoff. I I would love seeing that. Um, I would love seeing that one because I just, Clemson has been a thorn in the side of the Buckeyes since the days of Woody Hayes. I, 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 it's, it, as a Buckeyes fan, it's to the point where I just want to see them get beat to the point where they don't want to play anymore, like 56-0 to in the fourth quarter beat. Yeah, and there's a
1: lot of missed calls. You look on Twitter, Clemson wants Ohio State again. Ohio State wants Clemson again. I think it would be a match made in heaven. We go from the Buckeyes to the Buckeyes State, though. Tonight, on Thursday Night Football, the Cincinnati Bengals will be taking on the Cleveland Browns. Two 0-1 teams, two number one overall pick quarterbacks taking on each other tonight in Cleveland. 6,000 fans expected to
0: be in attendance. What do you look for in a game like this? Well, one, as a Browns fan, I can tell you how dangerous First Energy Stadium can be when the dog pound is in there barking, especially against the Bengals. The Loudest you ever hear that stadium is when it's an AFC North rival, whether that be Pittsburgh, Baltimore, or Cincinnati. I expect the Browns to come out excited to be in their home stadium with their home fans. Um, my biggest worry for the Browns, though, is the offensive line. Uh, Wills, their first round draft pick, left tackle, he's not going to be playing. Greedy Williams, still out. Uh, Jack Conklin is
1: questionable too.
0: Yeah. As is Jarvis Landry. And Jarvis Landry. So the offense is really scaring me. The good news is Cincinnati doesn't have much of an offensive line either. And the Browns don't need a big game from the front or from their defensive line. They need a big game from one man and one man only. Miles Garrett, if he can get behind the line and just keep pressuring Joe Burrow for the Bengals. It's going to be a tough night for him to throw. He had a few good runs last week against the Chargers. I just don't know how Joe Burrow is going to get him, get around this Browns defense this week. In fact, I uh, I swapped out my Saints defense to start the Browns defense this week, taking a bit of a gamble in the fantasy football world.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a big game tonight between the Browns and the Bengals, both teams coming off kind of heartbreaking ways to start the season in their own mind. Uh, I'll start with Cincinnati first, cause I'm sure I'll get a reaction out of the Cleveland Browns recap, uh, Cincinnati and Joe Burrow's debut actually looked pretty decent against the Los Angeles Chargers or the, yes, the Los Angeles chargers. I almost said Las Vegas, uh, the chargers who are without Derwin James, um, Cincinnati came into that game Joan Burrow looked really, really good, especially on that last two-minute drive where he tried driving down the field. There was a touchdown that he threw to AJ Green in the corner of the end zone, but due to offensive pass interference, that didn't go through. And then Randy Bullock with an opportunity to send the game to overtime at 16, missed a field goal right by shanking his hand by hurt hitting his hamstring, excuse me. And Both his hamstring. The Bengals went down 16-13. The Browns, in their own way, also kind of dropped something getting off the bus. They fell to the Ravens 38-6. You cannot give Lamar Jackson a short field on his first two drives of the NFL season. The Browns quickly went down 10 nothing. were able to score six on a touchdown pass to David Njoku wide open in the end zone, and then Seibert missed the extra point and then another field goal. And the Ravens ran away with it, thirty-eight to six. And this Browns team, which a lot of people thought of as a playoff team this year, as well as potentially, I know some people that thought of them as a dark horse Super Bowl favorite.
0: You know that that's kind of a heartbreaking way to start the season. And you're right. And I w- I was watching that game uh, with a buddy of mine at our favorite place to watch the Browns and we just uh, we left in the fourth quarter like this was ridiculous there's no there's no excuse for this the only excuse i will give the browns is having no preseason learning a new offensive system and a rookie left tackle who's never played on the left before and of course now that could be a whole moot point as wills is injured uh, but it, it re- they just could not get anything going their way one touchdown in the NFL against the Ravens. And they had a few drives. that just they they kept fumbling the ball. Bad penalties. Three face mask calls in one game. I don't know when the last time I saw a game with more than one face mask penalty was called. The Browns had three and two of them were on the same drive. That's where that meme like second and forty one 2020 at least has something the same. So, would like, you put tonight's game in must-win category for the Cleveland Browns? It's a, a must-win for both teams, but only one guy can, only one team can win it. And I mean, I think Baker Mayfield. A lot of people are saying he was an overrated quarterback. He's a college quarterback, not an NFL quarterback. We have seen flashes of greatness from him. The Browns need to find a way to get Mayfield into a position where he can succeed. And the last two head coaches just haven't done that. We talked a little bit yesterday about how oh it was the same system. It really wasn't. The amount of trick plays that Freddie Kitchens called up and Baker Mayfield just couldn't execute like the one against the Cardinals, the lateral to uh OBJ and then Baker Mayfield caught it well short of the line to gain but they just need to get back to basics you have the best running back core in the NFL in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and as much as it pains me to say this you need to rely on them especially tonight because Nick Chubb you get him going then you start handing it off to Kareem Hunt even lining one of them out or lining one of them up out wide, that is how the Browns are going to win the game. On the Bengals side, Joe Burrow needs to throw a touchdown pass. Uh, he was twenty three of thirty six for almost two hundred, but he did have an interception and a rushing touchdown, and he, and he got beat by Tyrod Taylor. The both teams know what they need to work on. I don't think that the Bengals are in a place to beat the Browns this week. I'm going to call it Browns twenty-seven to twenty-one. I would agree with that take. I've been posting my
1: NFL winners and lo- or winners on Twitter, where you can go follow that at Smitty underscore Zach, just Z A K. Um, but I also agree with you. Uh, I believe that the Cleveland Browns are going to be coming back with a vengeance tonight, knowing that Baltimore has won against them last week. So they've already got a partial tiebreaker over the Browns. The Steelers beat the Giants on Monday night. The Ravens, of course, will be playing against the Texans. The Steelers have the Broncos in Pittsburgh. I think that Cleveland knows that it can contend for the North, not just a wild card spot. But the Browns need to start somewhere. I agree that you got to chalk some of the errors of last week up to there was no preseason. There's still a lot of new pieces, uh, new head coach, new offensive line, a couple of new weapons for Baker Mayfield. Um, but I agree that I, I think the Browns are going to win tonight by I, I want to say by ten. Um, Baker Mayfield I think knows that he's under pressure because there's been nothing but blastings from the media over the week last week uh and especially over this off season so i think that baker mayfield needs to play a great game tonight um and i think it's going to happen tonight baker mayfield went 6 and 7 as a rookie breaking that touchdown record ever since his rookie season he has gone 6 and 11 including the loss last week so let me ask you this question Who would you say are the two biggest winners from last uh, from week one of the NFL? And who would you say are the two biggest losers from week one of the
0: NFL? The biggest winner in my eyes by far, and I think you'll agree with me, is the Washington football team. They came back and rallied for a 27 to 17 win against the Eagles. And Carson Wentz, he had himself a good game. 24 of 42, threw two touchdowns, but he had two interceptions and got sacked eight times. It, the defense for Washington has to be extremely happy. And they're my dark horse in the NFC East right now. Um, I think they 100% could win that division. Uh, it's a little bit down right now, especially because of the Giants. Uh, and they already beat the Eagles, but at year in, year in, year out, the nfc east basically goes 500 against each other um i i would throw the my second biggest winner um they might find it as a loser in their eyes but the jacksonville jaguars going into an indiana going into indianapolis playing philip rivers and the colts that's a weird sentence to say say philip rivers and the colts um a lot of people thought the colts were going to come out of the gate strong and be one of the Tougher teams in, the, or teams in the AFC, but Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew just went in there and did what they had to do in a Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, I don't think anyone told Gardner Minshew that they were planning on tanking the season for Trevor Lawrence, but he only had one incomplete pass. 19 of 20, 173 yards and three touchdowns. Like that is, that's ridiculous. For a quarterback who no one knew who he was until last year. Um uh, they're my second winner of the week. My my biggest losers. Um it, it's so hard. Uh let's go with the Buccaneers as the first one. You get the great one. You have Gronk, you have all these weapons. They were Really, a consensus Super Bowl favorite to start out the season, even though Tampa Bay—I don't even know when the last time the Bucks had a winning had a winning season was. Let alone make the playoffs. Uh, But they just couldn't get it done against Drew Brees and the Saints. And the 49ers Super Bowl team going to play the Cardinals, who might not be as bad as everyone thought they were going to be based on last season. They lose by four to the Cardinals, but after having that big lead in the Super Bowl and then coming back, losing to what was one of the worst teams in football last year, they can't feel good about themselves right now. I mean, you look at the stats, Garoppolo, he's through for two touchdowns, but that was just all about, that's all he could do. Kyler Murray, one touchdown, 230 yards and an interception. I mean, could the Arizona Cardinals be a team to look out for, or are the Niners just going to slide?
1: I I don't know. Uh, I think the Cardinals are going to be a little bit better. I think the NFC West is going to be a lot better this year. But I, I chalk a little bit of the 49ers to a little bit of uh, fatigue, not just from no preseason, but Super Bowl fatigue. Look at the past three, four teams that have made it to the Super Bowl and lost Atlanta most notably um the Los Angeles Rams last year looked terrible and now the 49ers so we'll have to go ahead and see now my winners and losers it's I'm going to be a little different from you just because it's I don't want to just beat a beat something to death here so my two winners my first winner is Mr. Russell Wilson Russell Wilson, which came out this past offseason that he has never in his career received an MVP vote, ever. Let me put that into perspective for you. Russell Wilson, who has beaten the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and won, I believe he's won two Super Bowls. Russell Wilson, who has carried a Seattle Seahawks team for a long time he has not gotten an MVP vote. And I think we might see that this year, but Mr. Russell Wilson, have yourself a game. He went into Atlanta, into the dome and put up four touchdowns on 31 to 35 passing 322 yards. He led his team in rushing yards, three carries for 29 yards. He absolutely torched this Atlanta defense. So I, I would really, Really need to give my hats off to Mr. Russell Wilson. I think that you could see him become the MVP this year, but I think he is a huge, huge winner this week. My second big winner goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line. The Pittsburgh Steelers defense, which ranked among the top five last year, led the league in sacks, led the league in takeaways. They looked really good last year with a quarterback who nobody heard of in Devlin Hodges. And then Mason Rudolph, who got hurt, he was really inconsistent after Ben Roethlisberger went down in Seattle in week two. You look at that Steelers team this week against the Giants. And in a 26 16 game, in a game where Roethlisberger should have been the star of, oh, he's coming back from a major surgery, this Pittsburgh Steelers
0: defense held Saquon Barkley to six yards. And that that in itself is the feat. Saquon Barkley, I wouldn't say he's an elite back, but he's one of the top in the NFL right now and like good on the Pittsburgh defense. And that's the only time you'll ever hear me say that sentence, Zach. Saquon, 15 carries for six yards. He averaged
1: 0. .4 yards a carry. 0. .4. If I remember correctly, that's like 13, 14 inches a carry. His only fantasy stock was in his six catches for 60 yards. Daniel Jones, with four carries on 22 yards, led the team in rushing yards. You you cannot have a team like New York do well when Pittsburgh is living in your backfield. So Pittsburgh is my second winner of the week as in terms of defensive play. I would give him a winner of the week just all around because Roethlisberger looks like he can throw, but I'm going to focus on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense who held one of the best running backs in the NFL to six yards. Now, two losers. Two losers. And one of them I'm going to kind of contradict you. I'm going to say is the New Orleans Saints, and I'm going to say for this reason. You have just lost your star wideout for the foreseeable future. Um, he. Got rolled up last year or last week against the Buccaneers. I'm talking Michael Thomas. Uh, he is going to be out for the next probably about two, three weeks, maybe less, maybe more. Um, so your offense is going to ro- run steadily through Alvin Kamara. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that when you've got uh, future Hall of Famer Drew Brees behind center. But when your only now true receiving threat other than Kamara is Emmanuel Sanders, that's where I'm a little concerned. So um, my my biggest, my one loser of the week, because again, I don't want to repeat you, is the New Orleans Saints receiving core. Big loser. And the other one, I'm going to throw to the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Now, I, I don't throw a blame on everybody. I do not. But, you know, play callings, from a play calling standpoint, you go trying to be aggressive, I get it, in the fourth quarter, instead of going for the tie? Going for the tie against Jared Goff? Come on, man. The Dallas Cowboys, offensively, you looked all right. CeeDee Lamb looked to be finding his place. Amari Cooper looked good except for a couple of weird drops. Michael Gallup made a play down the field uh, almost to put the game within Dallas's field goal range. Uh, except it got called back on pa- pass interference, which cannot be reviewed anymore. You know, da- Dallas, you were my pick to win the NFC East this year, and you couldn't win against a winning team last year, and you're starting off not being able to beat the Los Angeles Rams, led by Jared Goff, with no Todd Gurley, with the only receiving threats being Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. On top of that, you lost Leighton Vander Der Esch for six to eight weeks with a broken collarbone you lost jarwin for the year dallas dallas is my my biggest loser of the week
0: yeah i i was looking at them too i just i i don't understand how on paper and we talk about on paper all the time they're probably the second or third team in the nfc but year after year they just can't get anything done even when they look good Going into Thanksgiving, they just can't get anything done because they they'll lose on Thanksgiving and that's it. You know, just Dallas. I, I'm
1: I'm gonna give I give most teams in Week One a little bit of a pass. Again, kind of a weird year. No uh no real normal offseason due to COVID nineteen. No preseason. No OTAs. All you really had was training camp for the couple of weeks that they had it. So uh, a little bit, I'd chalk it up to that. But at the other side of it, there, there is probably, I'd argue that there is no team under more pressure to succeed than the Dallas Cowboys. And they just continue to just sleep in and, and just not do anything. They don't make anything of themselves. And I think, I think that is the biggest drawback to the Dallas Cowboys of no matter how much you invest in that offense. And Dak Prescott still needs to get extended. This is an yeah. offense that has Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, CD Lamb. CD Lamb is the fourth guy on that offense. And he lit up college football last year. On top of that, you got Dak Prescott. Blake Jarwin's not a bad tight end. You know, that offensive line is still solid, even with Travis Frederick retiring. And you're gonna tell me that you put up seventeen points on a team whose only defensive powers are Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald? Come on, Dallas.
0: Yeah, it's honestly a little bit ridiculous at this point. Um, but that that'll transition us greatly, uh, great or well into our next segment. Segment, pardon me. Who's your winners in week two? Do you want like every team that's gonna win or let let let's hit the highlights. Um so we'll start out. We already called our Thursday night games. We both said the Browns. Browns are a six point favorite in this one. Um let's go to another both 0 one matchup. Falcons visiting uh Jerry World in the Cowboys. Uh Dallas a four point favorite in that one for a one PM game on Fox. So that game, is, I, I actually think, is going to be a lot of fun. And it's because it, it
1: goes up against two potentially dynamic offenses. Uh, Atlanta making the big splash play, bringing Todd Gurley in. So you're going to have a battle of two elite-level quarterbacks in Matt Ryan and Dak Prescott, two elite number-one receivers, Amari Cooper and Julio Jones, two elite running backs in Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley. And the both, both teams are going to be hurting a little bit. Um, as in terms of secondary play, um, you know, you, you're going to be playing in Jerry's world, Mike McCarthy coming out earlier this week, saying that the stadium will be at 25% capacity. Dallas is going to be allowing fans into the stands this week. Um, and, and Dak Prescott, I think is going to be under a lot of pressure too, uh, realizing that the Washington football team are the number one team in the NFC East right now. Every other team being Owen one. But at the same time, Atlanta's offense last week put up a a pretty decent showing over Seattle. Seattle having a pretty solid defense, putting up 25 points on them. Now, this is a tough one to call because, again, it's Dallas at home, and I've got a lot of high hopes for Dallas. However, I think Atlanta's going to be right there, ready to go. And I think Atlanta's playing less injured. So.
0: I'm going to give the win to Atlanta. I'm going to give it to him by a touchdown. Okay. I like that pick. I I like that pick. I think it's going to be a field goal. I think it's going to be a little bit closer of a game than we're looking at. Uh, we'll go to another uh, 0-1 team matchup. Uh, 49ers in New York. I think this one's going to be an in- interesting matchup. That's another 1 p.m. game. San Francisco, a 7-point favorite. Um. I I don't normally I would say there's no way the Jets win this game. But that three hour jet lag that always seems to bite West Coast teams when they come to the East, I think is going to be a factor. I think the Jets squeak out of this one in a close one.
1: So I I have to throw both sides to this. So. First and foremost, Sam Darnold, I think of his draft class. This is this is the draft class of I want to say 2018 was when Darnold was drafted. I want to say he was drafted in the same year as Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has won a suit, has won an MVP. Josh Allen looks awesome. Josh Rosen is floating around between teams. Baker Mayfield has broken the rookie passing record. And what does Sam Darnold have? Nothing. Um, Sam Darnold, you know, he, he just honestly looks uncomfortable. And I, I would shock a lot of that up to New York, not really surrounding him with a ton of weapons. I mean, he has Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell is probably not playing this game with a tweaked hamstring. Um, and he's playing with, I don't want to say a makeshift offensive line, but it's a work in progress offensive line. Now that being said, Sam Darnold blamed last week on himself. And we've seen Sam Darnold and these Jets beat good teams. Look at the Dallas win last year. However, San Francisco, with one of the most elite defenses in the NFL, just came off of a loss at home to open the season against the Arizona Cardinals. I don't see any way that they lose to the New York Jets this week. I give the 49ers a 14-point victory over the Jets.
0: Okay, and our last 0-1 matchup of the week, uh, it's going to be the Carolina Panthers at uh, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. I don't know about you. I think the Bucs bounce back after this one. I think Brady's going to have himself a game. You know, I'd love
1: to agree with you, and I'm probably going to agree with you. However, 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 I, I mean this in the nicest of ways possible because statistically, Tom Brady is one of the, if not the best quarterback to ever play the game. I watched the game against the Saints. And this Tampa Bay team is going into this year was the team to beat. This is Tom Brady with the offensive weapons he's always, always wanted with an offensive line that's decent, a great coach and Bruce Arians, everything that Tom Brady has ever wanted in an offense, he has. He's got the number one receiver in Mike Evans. He's got a great slot receiver, Scotty Miller. The number two receiver on this team is Chris Godwin, and he's solid. He's got the three awesome tight ends in Cameron Bray, OJ Howard, and oh yeah, Rob Gronkowski. He's got two dynamic, three dynamic running backs. I almost forgot about LaShawn McCoy. He's got LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette, and Ronald Jones. This offense, on paper, should be blowing out teams left and right. And you go up against a pretty solid test against the Saints in week one, where you're going, you're putting Michael, Mike Evans against Marshawn Lattimore, and then Janoris Jenkins against Chris Godwin. And that's why you saw Scotty Miller have a great game, uh, former BG Falcons, Isaac Zumba. Um, but Tom Brady looked uncomfortable. Tom Brady just did not look good. And you can chalk part of that up to, you know, new system, new QB, or new coach, new weapons, new offensive line, new personnel. It's not what he's used to, but he didn't look good. And he statistically had the worst season of his career last year. You can chalk part of that up to wide receivers, but part of it to Brady. And I mean, even still, Gronk was declining before his retirement last year. However, on the other side of the ball, Carolina, who looked mighty competitive against the Las Vegas Raiders last week, behind Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson had a pretty decent game, Christian McCaffrey, need I say more, the Panthers spent every single one of their draft picks on defense. I want to say that the Buccaneers get the win, but I'm going to call upset. I'm going to say Carolina goes into Tampa Bay and wins by a field goal.
0: Okay, that that I, I agree with everything you said there. I just don't think there's any way that the Bucks are going to lose two in a row to start the season. You can feel free to correct me next week if I'm wrong. Uh, let's do, and then the last two we'll do, we'll do the Sunday night matchup on NBC. The Patriots head out to the West Coast to visit the Seahawks, and the Seahawks, three-and-a-half-point favorite, Russell Wilson, as we said, had himself a game last week. I I think I'm going to, I'm, this game's going to be close. I think this game's a coin flip. I, I would probably disagree with you. Um, I mean, the,
1: you look at New England last week, they beat up on the Dolphins. And even still that game, that game came down to Ryan Fitzpatrick's decision making. Um, and Cam Newton squeaked out of Foxborough with a win. And I mean, all credit to him. He's come back from a, a a nasty little injury himself, but he didn't throw a touchdown. He ran both times. I mean, he made a couple of good throws down the field, but I, I he hasn't been tested yet. And yeah, he had Byron Jones working against him on the other side and a Miami defense that's come a long way. But I, I don't think Cam Newton's been tested yet, especially with missing pieces on his offense. However, I think he'll get it out of Seattle this week. I agree that it's going to be a close game, but at the same time, I don't, and I think Seattle runs away with this one.
0: Uh, Fun fact. Both quarterbacks led their team in rushing yards as well as passing performance. Uh, The only difference is Russell Wilson threw for four TDs. Cam Newton ran for two. And then we'll finally go to our last pick'em matchup of the week as they open up Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas as the Las Vegas Raiders host the New Orleans Saints. I,
1: I hope this is not one that you and I are going to debate all that long. No, it, this, it's got to be the Saints. I agree. The only, thing that, got- the only thing that could bite this team, and I'm, I'm pointing that, I pointed this out, a little while ago, no Michael Thomas. So you, you can kind of hone in on Kamara, but at the same time, Drew Brees can spread that ball out. Now, that being said, Josh Jacobs rushed for three touchdowns. Three last week. The, this Raiders team, especially with Henry Ruggs being able to extend down the field, I wouldn't count him out. I, li- I like the spread, New Orleans minus six. I like that. I like New Orleans by a touchdown. I do like that.
0: Yeah, I like that too. The over-under on that game is only at 49. So if, I would probably if I were, take the over. I'd take yeah, the over on that. If I were a betting man in a state where sports gambling were legal, I would take the over. I, I, I would agree with you. I would agree. That being said... I'm going to skip over this one. We're going to go right to the MLB playoff hunt. We can do best rookie after next week, I believe, Um, just because we're already at like 50 minutes. so We still got some stuff to hit. We still got a lot of stuff to hit. Uh, But Let's go straight to Major League Baseball playoff hunt. And only one team has clinched a spot thus far, and it's the Los Angeles Dodgers. We were talking last night. Is it, was, uh, oh, what's his name? Mookie Betts. Was he the missing piece for the Dodgers? You know, as much as I want to say he was
1: the missing piece, because he looked fantastic in Boston, of course, winning AL MVP, uh, before the big trade that sent him and David Price to the Dodgers. This is a Red Sox fan talking, by the way. Why did you trade Mookie Betts? Um, I don't know you can add superstars all you want just throw things until it sticks but um but i i I think that he was not the missing piece i don't um the dodgers are notorious for choking in the in the world series um i mean in their eighth consecutive year of clinching the playoff spot congratulations to you but until I see the big guys that you need to, like Clayton Kershaw making a difference in the World Series, not the playoffs, the World Series, that's that's where I have to leave it. I cannot say that they are not a lock for the World Series.
0: I I don't think so either. I think there's other good teams out there. Uh, I think Atlanta could turn some heads. Maybe Chicago. Um. There's a couple of teams, you know. The AL
1: looks really, really competitive, too.
0: Yeah, let's go ahead and start off in the AFC, or AFC, AL East real quick. Um, Tampa Bay, who's leading the East, and honestly, pretty quiet about it. I haven't heard a lot about Tampa Bay. But, like, a plus 43 run differential, 31 and 18 three games ahead of the Yankees for first place in the division. But well, those would be the two teams to come out if the playoffs started today. Yeah. You mentioned the Rays being like an
1: under the table team. Typically when you think of the AL East, you're thinking of one of two teams and that's the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox. Now the Boston Red Sox is, in all, I'm, I'm being very honest, look like really, really bad. And part of it's injuries based on, um, you know, Injuries, you got the pitching staff not playing, you're working with a new team, a new GM. Um, but there's there's just a lot of just confusion in the organization with the Yankees currently not playing their best baseball. They've been getting kinda hurt recently. Um getting blown out by teams that they shouldn't be getting blown out to. They got swept by the Rays back in September, swept by the Braves. The Mets swept, or they tied the series with the Mets, but the Rays have just been holding their number. The Orioles have been getting wins over the Yankees. The Blue Jays have been beating the Yankees. Just, they, they've they been back and forth on this skid. And, I mean, they just activated Aaron Judge off the IL a little while ago, but are are the Yankees still a World Series contender?
0: I don't think so. I think they are a second-place team in a normal year that might make the wild card, might make a little noise. I don't see them getting past the divisional series. Yeah, James Paxton especially just getting ruled out. Uh, We stay in the AL,
1: the AL Central. Typically, we're talking about the NL Central being the most competitive division in baseball. It's, it's not right now. The AL Central kind of has a three-team race going on right now between the Minnesota Twins, Chicago White Sox, and the Cleveland Indians. Jacob, you're a big Cleveland Indians fan, so I'll kind of
0: let you talk about it. But in your opinion, who comes out of the AL Central? Well, you'll have to remind me on what they're doing for the wildcard format, because I definitely don't remember. So um, it's
1: the top two teams from each division. I want to say, and then the there, two best teams remaining from it.
0: Well, right now it'd be if the playoffs started today, it'd be Chicago in Minnesota, Chicago as a two game lead, which is outstanding considering they came, kind of came off to a slow start and then they caught up with the Indians and twins mainly because both teams started stuttering a little bit. Uh, Twins have a four-game lead on the Indians who have, after a second straight walk-off by the Cubs last night, have lost eight straight. And then Detroit and Kansas City, both uh, 10 or more games back, it's going to be close. The Indians do play Detroit, and they've got uh, another series against the uh, White Sox to make up some of that ground. But it, it's I I think it's really anybody's race still in the AL Central for the two, uh, guaranteed spots. Um, I the white I think the White Sox are gonna make it. I think the Twins and Indians are gonna have to club it out. Unless the Indians can't get back in the win column, um, then it's gonna be the Twins and White Sox all the way. But we'll just have to see how it goes because. The story all season has been the Indians bats have been asleep. The last two games they've been awake and the pitching has given it up. That's not what we've seen from the Indians this year. Um, AL West now. Oakland, the only team above five hundred in the AL West. Thirty-one and nineteen. I think they're my dark horse to come out of the A. L. And I say dark horse because even when the A's are good, they don't do well in the postseason. I think we, we've seen that before. Houston at 24 and 25 would be the second spot there. Yeah, the, the, the AL has looked
1: really, really competitive recently um, as in terms of who's going to come from where. Uh, you never really know what team is going to be the primary workhorse Um, the A's are a scary, good team. Uh, the Rays, uh, as we mentioned, are a silently good team. The White Sox, again, have, have, they've been splashy good. Um, if, if you were to ask me right now, which one of these teams comes out and, you know, makes it to the world series, I would, I would probably argue with you that the Tampa Bay Rays or the Chicago White Sox. I think that's what you're going to see come down in the AL championship
0: series. Yep. And the uh, two wild cards out of the AL would be Toronto and Cleveland, as it stands right now. The only teams making it out of the West are the top two. Uh, Seattle, 22 and 27. L.A., 20 and 30. In Texas, 18 and 31. No one's coming out. Those three Season are probably done. We go to the National League. Uh, in the East, Atlanta they're in number uh they're in first place 29 and 21 Miami who uh, another team that I I didn't realize was playing that well 25 and 22 uh they'd be the second to come out and the defending world series champions uh the nationals in last place
1: yeah it's been a weird weird year for baseball um Washington last year barely making it into the playoffs end up coming back, winning the world series sitting at 18 and 29. They're 15 and a half games back of the Dodgers who have clinched their spot. Um, scary, silent, good team. And I want to throw this to you. The San Diego Padres, Mm -hmm. the San Diego Padres go out and make a splash trade for Mike Clevenger have silently had who I think could be the NL MVP in Fernando Tatis Jr. This San Diego team could be scary good.
0: Honestly, I like them better in a series if they had to play the Dodgers. I think they have a they have a better I think they have a better all-around team. Everyone chips in whereas the Dodgers Yeah, everyone has the potential to chip in, but it's one or two guys every night or even every week that do all the heavy lifting for uh, the Dodgers. Um, The NL Central, though, everyone thought this was going to be the most highly contested division in baseball. Pittsburgh, awful. Milwaukee, eh. St. Louis lost a bunch of games because of COVID testing. They've got a lot of ground, ground to make up, though. They still will have a lot of games to play. They, they have a lot of games in hand, but I don't think they can catch the Cincinnati Reds for second place, who have a really good lineup and a solid uh, pitching staff led by Trevor Bauer, the NL strikeout leader.
1: Yeah, Trevor Bauer's really been a spark plug for the Cincinnati team. Of course, they got him from the Indians last year, right?
0: Yeah, uh we got breaking news on our podcast right now. Um this is broken to me by Donovan Mann, a good friend of both of ours. And uh the Mac, the Mid American Conference, talking about football. Uh, as soon as I can find where he got that from, we'll uh come we might come back to it. We might do a quick live. We might here we go. Uh from the Blade, Mid-American Conference considering Fall Restart. Um, so that's about all we know about that. But at the time of this recording, it is uh, the 17th of September at 1257. We might get Mac footballed. Back to baseball now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can we can jump around a little bit. We've been talking about MLB playoffs. The NBA
1: playoffs currently going on as well. Um, the Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets, have come back from being down 3-1 to in their series, not once, but twice, beating the Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell, and then, most recently, beating the Los Angeles Clippers. So, with that being said, the Nuggets are will be taking on the Lakers, who are the only top two seed left in the NBA playoffs. What will it take for the
0: Nuggets to beat LeBron and the Lakers? Patience. You look at LeBron this season, or well in the playoffs we even say, he has been a different beast than we have seen in a long time. Um, I don't think the Nuggets have what it takes to to uh, fight out a seven-game series, but I think they'll make it close. I still think the Lakers go to the finals. All right. And then on the other side
1: of the coin in the East, Kemba Walker, not shooting the best says he needs to play better on both ends of the court, both offensively and defensively. His team is down one Oh in the series to the Miami heat and Jimmy Butler. What does Boston need to do to even the series and potentially come back to win it?
0: Well, they really just have to play fundamental basketball. The heat, not that flashy of a team they beat you with their skill not their star players um i don't think they can i think the heat are going to win this series so what you're saying is, is your
1: nba finals prediction is lakers heat yes i would disagree i think boston comes back boston is my favorite to win the east and the nba finals my finals prediction you're going to see the times of old the lakers And the Celtics, a very historical rivalry in the NBA playoffs and the NBA finals, come back to fruition this time
0: between Kemba Walker and LeBron James. And finally, because we are kind of running out of the time limit we set ourselves, uh, we're going to jump right into our segment called underreaction or overreaction. Uh, which is where one of us will ask the other a question and we will give an answer if we think it is an underreaction or an overreaction. Uh, The first one, Zach, is Tom Brady a system quarterback? Well, Tom Brady
1: has had Bill Belichick for about 20 years. Belichick, in the 187 regular season wins as a head coach, he's gone 136-39 and with Tom Brady. Without Tom Brady, he's 51 and 65. Credit that one to BleacherReport.com. Uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick seem to just have been a magical combination. No matter what Brady has, he's always been a playoff threat. Uh, you can credit portions of that to being him being in the AL East or the AFC East, excuse me. Now you got me saying it. Um, but at the same time, Bill Belichick with you know Cam Newton just was able to Continue it, don't continue it on, and take advantage of the strengths that Cam Newton brings to the table. uh Brady, on the other hand, he he now has a cast of players where Mike Evans, who is his number one receiver, has had six one thousand yard seasons. Chris Godwin went over thirteen hundred yards last year. Scotty Miller, the last time he fully started a season back in Bowling Green, he had over a thousand yards in his senior year. Rob Gronkowski has been his by far favorite target. He has the most touchdown receptions in the regular season and postseason from Tom Brady. And Tom Brady couldn't make it work. Tom Brady always seemed to be able to pull out those wins against those good teams. And unfortunately, he was not able to do just that in Tampa Bay. Now, again, I chalk part of that up to the fact that it's a year without the preseason. but. I'm going to say that's an underreaction. I would agree that I think Tom Brady was a system QB and needing a coach who could adapt to
0: him. So, I'm I'm going to say it's an overreaction. I think Tom Brady is the has the highest football IQ in the National Football League. And I think he can still win in uh in another system he just takes a it might take a week or two to get acclimated
1: tom brady playing on a two-year contract no franchise tag allowed and a no trade clause so tampa bay will have him this season and next season and then potentially can resign him but i'd imagine after that brady will return to new england retire as a new england patriot mr jacob yes. seidel yes, after mr. a Smith. after a week one loss And in the third year of Baker Mayfield, not panning out, should the Browns tank for Trevor Lawrence? Overreaction or underreaction?
0: That is... Okay, so overreaction would be they shouldn't tank, right?
1: An overreaction is that the Browns should tank for Trevor. An underreaction would be saying that the Browns should tank. Okay, so... The Browns should tank for Trevor Lawrence. Would you agree or disagree with that? I disagree with that. So an underreaction. Gotcha. I, I, or maybe I that would I be
0: think an overreaction. That, I think that's an overreaction. Tanking is an okay. overreaction. Okay, so we're good. Um, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, I think Baker Mayfield has a, He's shown a lot. that uh, He showed a lot in his first season. Not so much in his second season, but I think there's a lot in the tank there. Second, I don't want I don't think that uh Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback of the future for nine like about ninety percent of the NFL. Um I think Justin Fields is by far the better quarterback. Uh so if the Browns had to tank for anything one, I'd say go for Justin Fields uh two it's an overreaction the Browns should not give up on Baker Mayfield yet I
1: would agree with that to an extent Baker Mayfield I feel should be on a very very short leash hence why they brought in Case Keenum um but with with arguably the best offensive team on paper Cleveland should be putting up more than six points against Baltimore you can fault partial points of that on coaching you can fault portions of that on the wide receivers. But at some point in Cleveland, you have to turn and say, maybe
0: it's the quarterback. That's the problem. Um, Right. But we've, the Browns have said that how many times since 99? A lot, a lot. So
1: I I would agree that it's an overreaction that the Browns should tank for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, However, I think that Baker Mayfield needs to feel a little bit more pressure on him as in terms of needing to
0: perform. Uh, Zach, the Nuggets will win the West. Underreaction or overreaction? I
1: think it is an overreaction. And the reason I say that, the the West in the NBA is a very, very top-heavy division. And you got to give a lot of credit to Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Paul Millsap and the rest of that team that had been able to come back from a 3-1 lead, not once but twice against two really, really good teams. Um, mainly Donovan Mann and Oh my goodness. Donovan Mitchell (laughs) in with the Utah jazz. And then the the powerhouse that is the Clippers coming back and beating them. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, and head coach Doc Rivers. Um, That being said, I think you're going to see a gassed Nuggets team. I think they'll get a game, maybe two out of the Lakers, but I have Lakers in six.
0: Okay. I I would agree with that. I think uh, LeBron and the Lakers are just going to be too much to handle. So, sir, after
1: the Big Ten committed back to playing this fall, we talked a little bit about it earlier. The Buckeyes are the clear-cut favorite to win the national title. Overreaction or
0: underreaction? I'm going to say overreaction um, right now. That could change uh, in a few weeks when we see them play. But they they haven't played. We haven't seen this team on the field. We've seen this team on paper. We've seen part of it last year, but a lot of big pieces missing, like J.K. Dobbins. I, I right now I think it's an overreaction. I think they could win the championship on paper, but right now I am not ready to say they are my favorite to win the national championship.
1: I would probably agree with you that uh, um, you gotta wait and see what you got. Again, a lot of players have opted out. Uh, cornerback Sean Wade is debating coming back. That was broken. Uh, earlier today, or maybe it was last night, but he's thinking of coming back. But you're still returning one of the best offenses in college football. Justin Fields should clearly be a, no- a top three pick in the uh, the NFL draft this coming spring. Um, they were the number two team going into the season in the preseason poll. I would say it's an underreaction. I think the Buckeyes would be the clear-cut favorite. I think the only team that really would stand to be a threat to them is Clemson. Uh, and that's if Clemson makes it out of the ACC. So I'm going to say that's an underreaction. that The Buckeyes are the clear favorite to win the national title game.
0: Okay, so we've got one more of these, and then I have a surprise one for you, Zach. Oh, scary. Uh, with Cam Newton under center, the Patriots are a Super Bowl contender. Overreaction. Overreaction. You're right,
1: overreaction. And And the reason why I say that, it has nothing to do with Cam Newton. Has nothing to do with him. Cam Newton has been a real, real good story. Goes from a small school to being the starter at Auburn, being taken one overall, leading his team to a Super Bowl. But that's where I think it all stopped when he went 15 and one. That was his chance. And then he's been playing with injury. He's been on a Panthers team that is just slowly disintegrated around him. Now he's in New England with Bill Belichick. I think the Patriots go eight and eight, maybe, maybe nine and seven. But at the same time, you're playing in a division that, in my opinion, clearly belongs to the Buffalo Bills, and it's theirs to lose. As we saw on Sunday, I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be a lot more competitive than people think. Um, and on top of that, the Patriots have to go through Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, who looked awesome on Thursday night, the Baltimore Ravens. Who looked poised to make another run against Cleveland, and who many NFL analysts are considering the third team to beat is the Pittsburgh Steelers, whose defense dismantled New York. And if Roethlisberger stays healthy, is a tough team to beat. I do not think that the New England Patriots are
0: a Super Bowl caliber team. So again, overreaction. I agree with that being an overreaction. Um, Cam Newton, he really goes. He's just another one of those quarterbacks that worked really well in college, but it hasn't translated to the NFL. Uh, and Zach, our, fir- our uh, final underreaction and overreaction for you uh, with the breaking news that we got on this uh, podcast while recording the mid American conference will play a football season underreaction or overreaction. That's, that's tough. That's,
1: that's really, really tough. Um, I think with the Big Ten coming back, that it's possible. Um, I said when the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the MAC all said, no, we're not playing, that you're not going to see spring football, and you're not going to see stars playing, because you're going to see players who are ready to go into the NFL draft go and play. Now, you might see some of the backups and you might see starting Mac players go play because they need all the exposure they can get to get into the NFL draft or get an invite to the combine. But that being said, um, with, with a lot of colleges across the country, you know, in increasing in COVID-19 cases, most notably Miami, Ohio has been getting a lot of press for it the past week. And, And they're not, most of their students aren't even on campus yet. That's that's what scares me. Now if the Mac can implement smart enough protocols like what the Big 10 just did, um knowing that the Mac isn't going to be contending for the national title game anytime soon, I don't see any problem with the Mac playing. So if the overreaction or underreaction is will we see Mac football here in the fall? I would say it's an underreaction. I think you're going to see it. Um To what extent is the question. I think you could see teams playing later into November. um, Maybe into early December. Um, But it's going to be weird to see, especially scheduling wise. But I think that especially because the Big Ten came back, the Big Ten was the big staple conference not playing yet. I think that you'll see the MAC play. And I think that you're going to see the Pac-12 look to play
0: too. You see, I'm going to disagree with you, and not for any of the reasons you said. I think this is going to be an overreaction. I know the MAC is looking into it, but I don't think they're going to play. A big, big, big factor for these group of five conferences, the MAC, the Sunbelt, Conference USA, uh, is money. I agree. I uh, It was, was it? I think Mac school's lost a combined 10 million dollars something like that with, with the uh Big 10 canceling out of conference play. Um it, I just don't under, I don't know if they'll be able to have the money to play this season. Um cuz the big difference between say the MAC and the Mountain West You have Boise State, you have Colorado, you have Air Force, you have big-name schools, Uh, the American Athletic Conference, that's Cincinnati, Memphis, Memphis. the the still bigger city schools. Yeah, the MAC has Toledo, Bowling Green, some well-known schools, Akron, Buffalo, but Eastern Michigan – Central Michigan and Western Michigan while they're known, we're just not the conference. that has the big schools. So I, I think it's an overreaction. I do not think that we are going to see Mac football in the fall. It's going to be a tough break for a lot of schools.
1: This COVID-19 has not been a friend to a lot of places and the Mac has probably been hurt the most in the world of college sports.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's gonna just about do it for this episode of the Smith and Seidel show. Uh Zach, any final thoughts? Uh, no. Uh
1: just look out for those uh NFL predictions for the week. Those will be posted here pretty soon. The Browns again, my pick for tonight. Uh nine and six on the year, so I'm hoping to improve on that one.
0: Yeah, I'm I, I don't even know what I am. <laughs> I didn't make picks last week. Uh but That's going to do it for us here. Make sure to find our podcast. We'll be on Spotify. We might go on YouTube at some point, too. I'm still trying to we're still trying to figure all that out. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Smith and Seidel show uh, for updates. We'll post there when we're recording and make sure to join our Discord server, Smith and Seidel. There you can uh, submit questions you want us to answer or any hot takes you have that we might be able to get to. But for my partner, Zach Smith, I am Jacob Seidel, reminding you all to stay safe, stay healthy, and I, Ziggy Zumba.